If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew floating about on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. Last hour, we brought up the receiver stuff, and uh, I will I will do this for you this hour. I want to bring up uh, quarterback stuff. Tom and I were talking about it during the break, and what we talked about specifically was that um, – uh, another poll question, if you will. I guess I could uh, shamelessly promote our poll question. That's uh, today's poll question Thursday. Um, Warchant.com. Will Tate Rodemaker be QB2 throughout the 2023 season? I didn't know you did this poll question, Tom. I'm really missing out on the poll questions. I'm finding out at a later date or in some ancillary fashion. Um, but yeah, there it was. We had uh, over 400 votes and uh, 84% say yes. Tate Rodemaker will be QB2 through 2023 season. I don't know how you'd vote it any other way, but what is compelling is that I think there is a it, there's a different talking point here. Tate Rodemaker being QB2 for this season seems fairly reasonable and likely and uh, logical. Is Tate Rodemaker going to be the starter for 2024 is a much better debate. Well, yeah, I, I think, and, and those results were, you know, 85, 15, roughly speaking. I think that's about the percentage chance that I would say that Tate is the starter, or sorry, is the is the second quarterback throughout the season. It's not a, it's a non-zero chance that one of the other two gives him a run for his money. Because camp is going to be important, and then 
as the season goes on, those practices count for something. And I think the candidate's more Brock Glenn than A.J. Duffy at this point because you could see exponential growth from that young man. So I, I don't, but I think it's overwhelmingly likely that Tate holds down the job for now because you have such experience and you're loaded around him. But I think this this second quarterback deal, the second space on the depth chart, is going to be a fun storyline to follow throughout the season because it's not just going to play out in camp and practice. It's also going to play out in garbage time of the games themselves this year. That, that That's true. I I would put the percentage chance that, that Tate Rodemaker is the backup the number two quarterback throughout the season at like 97%. I, I, I don't, yeah, you're right. It's not zero, but I, I mean, I, I just don't know how any of those guys, first of all, I don't think Duffy's better than Tate Rodemaker. So he's not going to do it. And I don't think you would throw Brock Glenn in, in his true freshman year. So no, I, I, I don't, I just don't see how it's going to happen. I mean, Tate may not be ideal. But he's experienced. He's won a football game for you on the road in hostile conditions with a lesser team. Now, now you've got a better offensive line, better receivers, better tight ends, a deeper backfield. He's mobile. I mean, if you had to, you could one side read him. Yeah. I mean, you could just be like, roll to the right. You've got an option. If it's not there, take off. If it is, throw it. I mean, I, you're just... I don't know why you would ever look anywhere else for this year, but, but I agree. Brock is rapidly ascending and strikes me as a guy that will make progress in a way that is noticeable is appreciable. Mm -hmm. And we will see that kid making plays and throws within this offense and an understanding of the offense that leads us to say, I'm not so sure Tate Rodemaker starts in 2024. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and again, It'll be very the dynamics of making the decision to go with somebody other than Tate are complicated. It, it, I don't think it's always about. I know it's not always about the better player in practice is the guy you go to because you've got to set yourself up for the future here. Yeah. Let's just say that Brock Glenn is impressive as hell in fall camp and in practice during the week when he gets reps. Not a stretch. Well, the moment that you jump him over AJ Duffy, Duffy's gone. I would think. Because Croman Hawk is next in line. So so what you would see for the succession would be in spring, it's those four guys without Jordan Travis, but AJ might be auditioning for, you know, another university. If you were to make that move. So don't make that move unless you are fully prepared for the consequence of saying, AJ, it's got to work out for you somewhere else at a different institution. So I don't know that you would elevate Brock unless it is clear and absolutely clear that you've got you one right there at that period of time. But I just, I love the fact that this year's quarterback battle is, is three faceted. Like I said, it's in camp, it's in practice during the weeks of games, but then it's also in the garbage time. I I'm really thrilled uh, to see if we do get in this position, you know, let's call it five times again this year. I want to know how they divvy up those reps and games. I want to know if they reward the guy who's better in practice with more reps. I want to see if they keep Brock at four because they want to maintain his shirt or if he plays above that. I do think there's upward mobility in this program. If you earn it, you're going to get the reps. I don't think this is a program that plays complete politics and says because you're a freshman, you're, you can't do this, you can't do that. I just Brock seems to me like somebody who could knock on that door in a way that A.J. did not at any point last fall. A.J. did nothing last fall. But I think Brock Glenn could do something in practice to where you say, hmm, what I don't, do we have here? I wish I knew 
AJ's mindset. I wish I knew the way he, you know, processes things and thinks about things. I, I don't know that he looks at his situation the way that a lot of us in the media look at his situation. And a lot of the fan base looks at his situation. You know, I mean, I feel like he thinks that he's going to be the next guy and he's competing to that end. And I hope that's what he thinks. And he should continue to compete to that end. It's not like AJ Duffy is devoid of talent. No. It's not like we're, we're saying the kid can't play. I mean, I think we all agree that if it does play out to where one of those guys leaves, we'd all say it's probably going to be AJ Duffy. And if he leaves, would you be surprised if he were successful somewhere else? No, no, I don't think I would be surprised. I think he's good enough to, to maybe, you know, have a career that's pretty impressive. Um, it's just that you're so impressed with Brock Glenn and that Tate is the guy that is set up to start next year and that you've got a Croman Hawk coming in who, by the way, everybody loves and says is a real good prospect. So it, there's an odd man out eventually. And, and that's who we would vote to be the odd man out. But I just, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. Yep. It's not, I'm not saying that AJ Duffy has no chance to turn, turn this around and maybe rise up and be that guy. Maybe even next year, uh, not this upcoming year, but the year after in 2024, maybe, maybe. Um, but he does have to take some great strides come the fall. I got to see it, man. I just haven't seen it yet. And I see days and moments and throws, but I don't see consistency. No, the, the issue. So here's what holds me back from being definitive that AJ is going to be the odd man out is he didn't do much of anything at all in practice last year worth noting and saying, oh, look at him. AJ, man, he's going to make it tough. You know, he's going to make the decisions tough for Mike Norvell with Tate. Like we never got there to where you're saying, boy, what Tate might get passed by AJ in his redshirt freshman season. But then he goes in the games. Some guys are gamers more than practicers. And even in the limited reps that AJ Duffy was in games last year, everything just looks slow to him, meaning in a good way. It didn't look too fast paced. That's right. Look, That's right. He, he was a raw freshman who was rat trapping. He didn't look like that at all. So that's where I pause and I say, all right, if he gets in the games and he looks as calm as he does, maybe he's just not a practicer and not, not meaning habits wise, just he doesn't, it's not his forum. Jameis was a better gamer than he was practicer. It's a great example of it. He still was good in practice, but he was worlds better in games by any reports of people that were there day by day in Jimbo's media policy, which we couldn't see it. So that's what has me stop short of saying that this is definitely going to happen. But if you're looking for boxes to check as the development goes along, man, Brock Glenn is just so impressive. So that's why I think that this is not, this is a non-zero chance that somebody knocks down the door here on Tate, but it, it's, it's an all likelihood Tate's job, you know, throughout the season. It's weird. It's a weird position to be in because if you're calculated and you're Mike Norvell and you're thinking about your quarterback situation and who wouldn't be in, he's an offensive coach and he has preferences and what he wants to run and all that, this would be a year you'd want a lot of looks at AJ Duffy because you're trying to vet this thing and and you know, but but it's a weird thing. If you're if if it's 32 to nothing at halftime, Florida State. And you're like, okay, starters, we're running one series, make it count, I'm getting you guys out of there. You know, okay. So you go down, kick a field goal, score a touchdown, whatever. It's 35, 39, nothing, whatever it is, right? All right. I got to turn to Tate. I got to let Tate play now. But in truth, I may really want to see what A.J. Duffy's about for a whole half. And, you know, it's like, golly, this is going to be tough. So I let Tate go out there. So now, again, 
In a weird way, this pregame conversation with coaches that if you can presume an ass kicking, you almost do have to tell them, look, man, I don't know what's going to happen today. You guys could beat us. But by chance, we're up big in the fourth quarter. I'm running my offense because I've got a quarterback battle for years to come in the making, and I got to see some things. And if I put in A.J. Duffy and he's my third-string quarterback, you need to know he ain't there to hand the ball off. I'm going to find out what he's got, and I'm going to leave some guys on the field that can play so yes. I can gauge that. This is So at the quarterback position for Florida State this year, it's returning to the old days where your interest is held until the end of the game. That's the way it is when, when you're a really good football program and at this specific position, it's going to be again. It's like the old days because you need to know. I mean, spring 2024 is going to be awesome, but we'd like as much evidence as possible of in-game performance to carry into that discussion for spring 2024. It's like, well, A.J. threw 40 passes this year. He completed 27 of them, four touchdowns and a pick. He looked really good, especially in that Miami game when we blew their doors off in the first half and he played the whole third quarter. Remember that? Remember the third quarter of the Miami game? Boy, A.J. Duffy looked great as we kicked their ass for the second consecutive year. And then Brock came in in the fourth quarter, and he was good too. So I don't know. Maybe it's just Miami's that bad. Maybe that's maybe that's the it's story. It's a fun here. discussion, but I, I, it is fun to think about how he'll handle that. He's got – that's a tough deal. you got to find out what you have – and you you know you want Tate in all likelihood. He's been in the program for 50 years. You'd like Tate to be your starter in 2024 when we're over in Ireland, probably. And, and you know, I mean, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest he won't be. But after that, man, I've got to really see what A.J. can be. And how do I get him in there and get him a lot of meaningful reps? Well, the only way I can do it is if we're beating people up pretty badly in the second half of games. Yep. And then maybe, I, I you know, who well, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. There could be a game this year where Jordan doesn't play or has to come out and then Tate gets a, a lot of reps and then AJ's your backup for that game or something. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm not the guy who knocks Tate either. I think he's got ability and I think they're going to be fine. I just I think that Brock might be good enough <laughs> to push this thing. That That's where I'm coming from there. But the connection between Tate Rodemaker and Johnny Wilson, the chemistry is already there. We saw that in the Louisville game. Johnny loves him some Tate. If Jordan's not in there, I think Johnny's preference is Tate. Oh, yeah, and, and Tate will get it. He's going to get it. Neither of us are saying he won't, but I just – we need to see something from A.J. Duffy this year, and you got to find a way to get him out on the field. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day. And I gave him a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's athletic greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning and I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people and that's good to know as well. 
I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Listen to this real quick. Now, over the years on the JCS, we've had a number of pretty funny stories that are born out of um, baseball players uh, who have returned home to, unfortunately and sadly, oftentimes, uh, communities ravaged by poverty in the Dominican Republic. For example, if you're a, if you're a baseball prospect, a lot of times. Uh, organizations will set up shop down there and they'll get guys pennies on the dollar. At least they did for years. I think it's gotten a lot better, Tom, now that the light has been shined on situations like that, where remember like, well, I won't besmirch any particular organization, but there was a stretch of time where a couple of organizations, one of them, maybe a Dodger blue who would go and uh, find their ways to poorer countries where people are, you know, they say that you don't walk your way off the island. Guys, swing away, swing away, right? And the, if you just think about the depth of talent from the Dominican Republic in Major League Baseball right now, first of all, it's a tip of the cap. That's unreal how many all-world players uh, come from the Dominican Republic. And anyhow, for a long time, Major League Baseball should have been ashamed of themselves. They, they, they'd let Major League teams go there and set up shop, and they'd offer a kid – 20 grand. And that was more money than that kid was ever going to see in his life. Uh, and was on the streets in the Dominican Republic, shining shoes, Sammy Sosa famously, by the way, shine shoes. That's why I bring him up. So it's changed a lot now, but one of the problems and you get the predicament, <laughs> but it leads to some hilarious stories that you're like, well, that's a toughie. That's not going to work out. I remember saying one time in the Jeff Cameron show PR firm that it was a delicate deal because if you sign a player, Yasiel Puig or somebody like this, okay? And you know that that player is going to want to go back home after he's made millions of dollars. Then your fear is that he is going to be targeted by various groups of people who are going to utilize his fame and newfound wealth uh, for their criminal scheme, which is to say he'd kidnap him, whatever it might be, hold his relatives hostage. You know, this is the kind of stuff you would see happen in impoverished countries. It happens. It's unfortunate. Sad. We get it. The other thing you see happen is a lot of times guys go back and they've got beef with people they grew up with. And it 
it's lost on them that they are now worth, I don't know, $500,000, $22 million, $3 million. Don't go home. Don't go home. Big Poppy went home and got shot. Don't go home. You can't go home. Don't go home. It's tough times. Aid in other ways. Do whatever you can to help the situation, but don't actually go there yourself because this is not going to work out. But we have the latest in that realm of, ooh, that ain't good. And it made me laugh, but in, in a very jaded way. Here you go. This is good. The Cubs have a prospect. I've been reading about this, Tom. More than most, I tend to read about prospects because I'm always looking for the next guy in Pittsburgh. The current guys are never good enough. I've always got to look at the next guy that's going to come up and be good, and then we'll lose to the Yankees in free agency. But I always need, or the Mets soon, but I'm always looking like, yes, Starling Marte and others, you'll take them. I got it. So (laughs) I've read about this guy. This morning, I checked. I, I do a few things every morning with my coffee. I check prospects. I check stories for us to talk about. I just cast cursory glances at these type things. I came across this one. Um, <laughs> this is a good story. Uh, Hector Gomez writes, the Dominican National Police are looking for Cubs prospect Jose Fralin Alcantara. Because he shot Darwin Diaz to death last Friday night. (laughs) The reason I'm laughing about this is my man just signed, just signed. And they were pumped about him and his prospects. I read this lengthy story about, oh, man, the Cubs have themselves a guy. This, uh, This Alcantara will be in the majors in no time. But alas, he will not be in the majors in no time. A $500,000 bonus just given to him last year. Fourth fourth highest, Tom, fourth highest bonus given to the international players that the organization signed last year. There are 30 international players that are making somewhere near that. He was the fourth highest. The uh, shooting took place uh, in an argument over money inside his car. And at at one point, he, uh, he got mad. He got mad. He got mad. And he shot the dude. And now he'll never make it to the Cubs organization. So once again, as delicate as it might be, everybody, the Jeff Cameron Show PR firm advises their clients, unfortunately, as proud as you should be to have overcome your circumstances and the pride you feel in your country, very, very understandable. You can't go home. You can never go home. I'm sorry. It's the way it works. My man, 500 grand and you're in an argument in a car? What are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? We're playing out a scene of Jackie Brown is what we're doing. We used to be beautiful. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to you, man? <laughs> I think the PR firm, here's uh, an instructional lesson, and perhaps Mr. Diaz would still be alive if we could have had this opportunity. But you fly down there with armored cars as we come down as Americans, and that would probably be you know, a target in and of itself. But you get where you need to go. And you tell every individual client that is about to sign, before you sign, understand this. You need to get your affairs in order. As in, you taking anybody with you, we need to process everybody that we possibly can. We'll see what the situation is at the border in the United States. But we got to get your people with you in order to protect their safety. And then when home comes with you to the extent that you want it to, then you sign the paperwork and then we're off. And we're moving. And maybe in 15 years, you could take a shot 
and not literally, but you can come down to where you used to live. But for right now, you got to take home with you so that nobody dies. Yeah, now, and this isn't the now, same, nor ever will there be a story as great as there are farmhands in my pool. That is an all-time story that uh, Matt Millar and I laughed at for days. Um, my man shot farmhands in his pool, and when asked why, he said, there are farmhands in my pool. I don't remember this. Who was this, a player? Oh, yeah, it was a former player that uh, had tons and tons of money and went home. Same thing. Can't go home, Tom. And uh, basically uh, got angry. There were farmhands in his pool, and he, and he shot him. He shot him. And that was um, a long time ago. We'll have to get Millar on the case. But that is, yeah. You, are you typing farmhands in my pool? I did. I, I typed MLB player farmhands pool, and it didn't ping, which tells me that this is at least 15 years old. As a oh, older. It may, be, it, may be, it may be the first five years I was on the air. It may be um, one, of the, one of the first five years. Maybe first seven years I was on the air. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible story. It was a multimillionaire baseball player. Um, and I, now the, the, the clip we used as a promo has me saying, there are farm hands in my pool. But the problem is, I don't think that the headline would have read that, Tom. I don't think you're going to find that ping. No, but I mean, you know, it would find the body of the article, and then it would pop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to – yeah. I just texted Millar, who killed the farmhands in his pool? And Millar, we'll will, Millar will know. He will know. He's got a steel trap for a memory in that situation. Yeah, it's, it's all-time good. Uh, I would also note, by the way, one other thing on this uh, – to put a ribbon on this story about uh, Jose Frail and Alcantara, who shot Darwin Diaz to death over an argument in his car despite having just been signed to $500,000 bonus last year. The New York Post reported that this is the second time in two years that the Cubs have had a prospect accused of a major crime. Unfortunately for the Cubs, pitcher Jesus Camargo Corrales was arrested, Tom, in 2021 when Colorado police found 21 pounds of methamphetamine and 1.2 pounds of Oxycontin pills in a Cubs logo duffel bag. <laughs> he was sentenced to 14 years in prison. Jeez. Doesn't look like he'll be making his debut anytime soon. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That sounds like a dark John Hughes comedy, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, oh, that's – imagine you got your Cubs bag, proud major leaguer to be. Now, can we, we need to look inside that bag. Which guy? There's some baseballs? Cleats? No, no, no. Yes, no baseballs. Good. Baseballs, okay? <laughs> Chewing gum. Let me through. I, yeah. I, I won't even figure to, to go through this. I will segue somewhat <laughs> unsuccessfully. It's not professional. Don't try it at home. To the uh, – to the Dear Andy segment uh, that was posted on The Athletic today because it does involve uh, Florida State, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to touch on it. <laughs> Drugs in a duffel bag to Dear Andy. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He would be proud of me. With the ACC considering unequal revenue distribution, they're not considering, shouldn't the kings of the Big Ten and SEC take a hard look at this too when their TV deals are up for renewal? Well, drastic. Ohio State, Alabama, and others could tell the Northwesterns and the Vanderbilts of the world that they're not willing to take less. The Kings will simply move on and create a new conference with the best of both leagues. That was a question posited on the Dare Andy segment there on the, in The Athletic. 
And here's the response. The ACC announced Wednesday that its schools have approved a performance-based revenue incentive plan that will provide more money to the schools whose teams win on the field and bring in more money to the conference through championship participation. This is an olive branch to Clemson and to Florida State, the only two full members to make the college football playoff or win a football national title this century. This is a better way to handle this topic than we think you're a bigger brand, so we'll give you more money. Because it allows schools such as Wake Forest, which has invested in football and found some success on the field, a chance to earn some money. But it also won't cover much of the $30 million a year at least shortfall between the ACC's distribution and the SEC's distribution that will begin in 2024. So it won't solve the biggest problem for the programs, such as Florida State and Clemson, which have to compete against the SEC for their players. Unfortunately, unequal revenue sharing rarely solves the problem it's supposed to. Everything that Michael writes there makes sense, but I can offer one sentence argument for keeping revenue distribution equal in the Big Ten and the SEC. Communism. What? Communism. (laughs) Leagues that have used an uneven revenue distribution plan have faced existential threats because of issues that were created by uneven revenue distribution. The Big 12 feels remarkably collegial now. It felt like the Hunger Games back when the league distributed revenue unevenly. Friction between Texas and Nebraska and Texas A&M simmered. Missouri looked for a way out. Meanwhile, USC's beef with the Pac-10, later Pac-12, multiplied when that league went away from its uneven revenue distribution and added Colorado and Utah in creating the Pac-12 network. Those concerns were never addressed. Guess where USC is now? Congratulations, to, uh, to Michael for finding a different way to ask, when are the Big Ten and the SEC going to drop Indiana and Vanderbilt question that I get every week? But I don't think those leagues will drop anyone, and I don't think they'll change the way they distribute their money. They've seen where that leads, and the stability those two leagues currently enjoy is amongst the most valuable assets that they possess. So it's a it's an interesting answer. I, I tell you this, they could tell Indiana uh, goodbye, and they could tell Illinois goodbye if they wanted if they were to simultaneously announce that they were being replaced by Florida State and Clemson, <laughs> that, that, that would work. Same is true with the SEC. If they wanted to, they could say, it's been real, Vanderbilt. It's been real, Mississippi State. We're going to add Florida State and Clemson. Have a good day. We're better. Yeah, okay. So let me throw this outside-the-box idea at you then. <clears throat> with that idea and perhaps um, also using – that the Magnificent Seven could be the nine if you add Notre Dame and and Louisville to the mix. What if those teams got together and voted to contract? Is there a provision that they could create in which they say Boston College and Syracuse and Duke or whatever, they go away? And if so, you just take that money that would have gone to those universities at a $40 million clip a year, and then you redistribute it to the league members that are left over. You'd have to contract more than three teams, I understand. You'd probably have to contract closer to six in order to make the numbers work. But would there be merits to shrinking the conference down to smaller, being locked into a deal to 2036 with fewer teams with the same amount of money that's split up and divvied up among those amount of teams? I sense that there would be a lawsuit. <laughs> At that point, if you're going to get sued, you might as well just go to the power two. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there'd be a lawsuit. Um, you know, look in an ideal world, could you tell Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Duke, uh, Boston College, Syracuse, amongst others, have a good day? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think in an ideal world that'd be nice, but that ain't happening. And, and I, I do think what's what's really interesting is this idea. Okay, you brought up the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Fleet Footed Nine, whatever it might be. Like, so you grab these teams that want to play big boy football and have invested and decided they care very deeply in the product and that they know the future of their athletic department depends on it. So they, they're all in. So you're going to grab Clemson, Florida State. You're going to grab North Carolina and Virginia. You're going to grab Miami. I don't know, Virginia Tech, NC State, and Louisville. Yeah. Whatever you're going to do, okay? So you grab those, and then you go and you grab a couple of other names, and you reform a new conference, and you try to work out a deal. That, that I mean, to me, that, I guess, is a plan that might work. Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you have a home? Do you, is Amazon going to do it? Would YouTube do it? No, I think ESPN would do it because at that point the ACC doesn't exist. They say, all right, we want similar parameters. We want a bump of, you know, 10% on the total. But we, we're working with fewer teams, so the distribution plan is high enough that we like it. You know, because now we are actually operating. Like, I, I can't do the math that quickly. But let's just say that you were dealing with eight teams in that conference. And the payout's the exact same instead of the 14. At that point you would be receiving, I think, a hell of a lot closer to the to the gap. But truth be told, look, man, I, that's just an outside-the-box idea. I'd rather go the traditional route and then just go join the Power 2 and be done with it. The negotiation's already done. The legwork's already done. Once you get through the liability, which is not small for the conference fee plus the grant of rights, it's turnkey from that point on. I'd rather do that. But I just wonder if they are actually considering outside-the-box ideas in order to go out on their own maybe a little bit because they do have precedent and and these negotiations for the Big 12, for example, do inform that we could be paid a hell of a lot more money on the open market if we were actually on the open market today. Well, I, I, I talked to somebody, um, Andy Staples, in fact, who mentioned uh, th that, hey, listen, um, Florida State, in theory, could be in the Big 12 tomorrow. I mean, they, they, could, they could file in the state of Florida – uh, find a sympathetic judge, um, and then this thing would be hung up in the courts, and they'd be in the Big 12 tomorrow. They they, they could walk, you know, and, and and go from there. But I don't think Florida State wants to be in the Big 12. And, you know, even if you were to project the Big – let's say the Big 12 were to pick off Oregon and Washington before the Big 10 does and then add Florida State and Clemson to what they already have. Yeah. Would it – how how appealing is that? What kind of television deal are they going to get with those four brands to go along with the big cities that they have had? They've been smart about who they've gone after. Yeah, yeah, I was grabbing saying, grabbing grabbing an Orlando or a Tampa is not dumb. That's you got to do that. No, that's fine. But if you are a Coca Cola, you're going to brand with a Super Bowl. You're not going to brand with the Arena Bowl. You know what I mean? And and work no, no, it it wouldn't be the equal of the Big Ten and the SEC by far, but it certainly could garner a lot more money than we're getting in the ACC is all. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I just, at this point, if you're going to go in and you're going to leave the ACC, you don't leave for that. I, I agree. I yeah. agree. It's just everybody's spitballing right now, trying to find the quickest way out the damn door. And it just, every day there's another story about this. And look, at the end of the day, I really don't think it'll be all that long before Florida State is gone from the ACC and in the SEC. I, I do think that is going to happen. Um, now again, my great concern is, is it going to happen next year? Is it going to happen the year after? Is it going to happen the year after that? 
or is it seven or eight years away? Which, no bueno, man. That can't happen. You cannot be $30 million plus behind for the next seven years and expect to step into that conference when you eventually get there and have any chance in hell. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, again, I will always point back to the example of it costs you $50 million for one year for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12. And if you use that as precedent as a negotiation tactic and you're talking about a longer period of time, I think you could discount it more to maybe the price being all in 500 mil if you leave by 26, which isn't that far away. Like you start in the SEC in, in 2026 and you pay it against future disbursements. You take out a loan, you do whatever you need to do to make it all work. I think that's the baseline. I don't think that, I think it'll be quicker. It, it feels like it's going to happen quicker, whatever the settlement is, whatever the votes are needed within the conference. But I just, I love having that number because we were searching for years for what, what does it cost? What the hell does it cost? Well, Texas and Oklahoma showed you what it actually costs on a one-year basis. You would get a discount, I think, for the longer period of time because it's a lump sum of cash in terms of a commitment, a contractual a commitment to all these other institutions. The thing I would say, and, and at some point, if you do want to settle, you can make a compelling argument as time goes on if you're Florida State and say, do you want 100% of nothing or do you want a certain percentage of what we would pay through 2036? Because either way, we're not going to be here. So it's your call. Do you want to have this conversation or not? Well, I think that's what we have said. I believe that's exactly what they've said. And the ACC's response right now is, look, we'll work with you. We'll try to get something done. But, I mean, these are half measures. And I just don't think the other schools, I mean, 2036 is a long ways away. And they're just telling Florida State and Clemson and others like them to pound sand. Yeah, They're challenging Florida State. To take it to court. Yeah, it could be, too, that, you know, maybe in a back room off the record because people are adults. They can be. Jim Phillips says, look, I get it. You're leaving. So I'll float you about five or ten mil more this year if you do your job and win some games so you can speed up the process. You don't want to be here. We don't want you here. We get it. This is this is the way it's going. But, you know, maybe this measure with uh, rewards for, you know, success initiatives or whatever the hell they call it. If we're going to speed up the process so we get with the getting, okay, fine. We'll help you. We'll, we'll toss you a bone. But we're not going to do that with television and eyeballs on sets because that's, you know, I'm, I'm just bleeding these guys dry faster. They're going to die anyway. That doesn't make sense for me. Jim Phillips is in an impossible position. Uh, there's no I, – I listen, I don't feel sorry for him. It's whatever. But I, I my man can't win here. The ACC cannot survive without Florida State and Clemson in it. He knows they don't want to be here. He knows they're not going to stay. He knows they're exhausting every possible avenue by which to get out of this conference. But yet he still has to speak to all the other member institutions. And he has to try to create some sort of togetherness to try to keep this conference together. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, bonding element to keep this uh, conference together. I. I don't know what he does. I, I don't know what he does other than what he's doing, which is just put on a brave face and tell everybody that they're working on it. I, I don't, it, he's like, I asked this question to Ira last week. I'm asking it again. What does he do every day? And I don't mean that as in he's lazy. I don't think he's lazy. I just think his hands are tied. I don't think there's anything to be done. No, honestly, I, I if I was him, I'd have a clandestine second function here. And I mean this in a good way. Like some, sometimes there are executives who preside over a teardown. And what they try to do is they spin off the assets 
find a good home for each asset, be it personnel or whatever, like capital stuff. Like Correct. That. Yeah. If I were him, I would be back channeling to make sure that I could find every one of my member institutions that I could a home in the event that this thing does break apart. And maybe that's the way he comes out looking like a hero and finds his next gig. He's like, look, Clemson and Florida State were going to take care of themselves. Ditto for North Carolina and the Virginia schools. And, you know, so I knew that about seven of them were going to be okay wherever they landed. But I've got to find a solution. It's my job. I am responsible for the well-being of Syracuse and Boston College and Duke. So I worked the phones for them. You know, like you could see that interview five years from now. I worked the phones. I found them a good place. I, I connected them with somebody who could find them a home for basketball or whatever it is. And that's his legacy. Is that- Well, it'd be a hell of a legacy, by the way. You'd tip the cap to the guy. You would. Yeah. You'd be like, well done, sir. You read the tea leaves. You admitted what we all knew to be true was that this was a fruitless endeavor and the league was going to cease to exist before 2036. And so you just decided, you know what? I can't make it work. It's not going to work. We don't have people who want to make it work. We've got to move on. The conditions in college football have changed in a way that I'm devastated about. I hate it. Like, if you're him, he hates this. He is a traditionalist. Lots of people hate this. But the difference is you can hate it and decide to push back and push back against what's inevitable, or you can decide, I lost. My way of thinking did not win out. Money ruled the day yet again. It's not my fault. The NCAA, ESPN, Fox, you name it, they all conspired against us for what this grand vision once was. It was obliterated long ago. I say this to people all the time. You want purity? You want to watch the game for the sport to be the sport? You want true student athletes? Watch the Ivy League, guys. Go watch the Ivy League. Guess what? Nobody does. Nobody does. So there ain't no big television contract for the Ivy League or anything like it. That's the reality that we're in. Yeah, watch the service academies instead. Because, like, the Ivy League, they lower the entry requirements for those players. They wouldn't get into the Ivy League if, if it wasn't for football. Many of them. Many. I, I know that. that That's how that works. So it's all different degrees of what you can stomach. And, yeah. and you know, this might be too much for a lot of people. But I, when you get to this level, there's no doubt about this. And, and we know this dealing with executives over our careers. But whether you're Michael Alford or you're the president of a university like McCullough or you're Jim Phillips, you're playing several hands or several chess boards at the same time. You're playing multiple games. You've got the long game, the short game, the doomsday scenario, the best case scenario. But you have to line up your ducks in case any one of those scenarios is the reality. So my assumption is maybe he's already had some of those conversations, but he just hopes that that's not the chess board that he's got to play all the way to the end of the game. That's brutal. Right now, he's pulling a good paycheck, though. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. performance for your little guy or gal that's right or maybe big guy or gal i don't know they equip they motivate help train athletes focused on baseball and softball with very specific tools to reach their true potential that's a good thing 
really that's kind of what it's about, right? I mean, you may have a kid who's going to be great, and you may recognize that, and he needs training to that end, or she does. Um, there are other kids, like the vast majority, who play Little League or whatever it might be. They just want, they want to have a good time. It's easier to have a good time if you're playing your best and you have a fundamental grasp of the game. Power Mill will help do that for every player at every skill range, uh, within every skill range, I should say. So a baseball training program that you know helps all ages and skill levels. Same's true with softball. They've got youth camps, a lot of fun over the summer. You get proper instruction, hitting, throwing, fielding, all of it. They do drills, games, activities. My kids went to Power Mill uh, summer camps, in fact, and enjoyed it. So they uh, sponsor Probables, and that's where we're going to go right about now. It's time for... How you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Cards, Reds, they're playing right now. As you're watching this, it's Miles Mikolas. Yes? <laughs> That's been a minute. Where the hell's he been? I don't know, but he is 2-1. and one. Uh, He's pitched enough. I, it is. It has been a minute, hasn't it? Uh, Luke Weaver pitching for the Reds. Luke Weaver pitching for the Reds. Blue Jays, Rays, Alec Manoa, the bad man. Zach Eflin for the Rays. Marlins, Rockies, Braxton Garrett, Kyle Freeland. You think the people down in Miami even know the Marlins are playing? They're 500. They're not terrible. But with this magical ride of barely making it into the playoff teams that are going to win a championship, <laughs> it's probably a distraction. Yeah, you know, you said it on Monday that Florida's going to win the Cup. I, I tend to agree. Um, Bruce Cassidy is the coach of Vegas, and as good as they've been, yeah, that dude will lose a one-goal game when it matters the most. And I, I, Florida wins one-goal game, so I'd, I'd future and, and, and put a, a marker down on Florida for the Stanley Cup final. Florida not only uh, wins one-goal games, that's all they do. They yeah. don't ever win anything but a one-goal game. Oddly, that's what the Marlins do. They win every one-run game, or else they wouldn't be anywhere close to 500. Padres, Nats, Blake Snell, Jake Irvin, White Sox, Tigers, Lucas Giolito, Alex Fredo, or Fado, Orioles, Yankees, Kyle Gibson, Clark Schmidt, Phillies, Braves, Aaron Nola, Dylan Dodd. We got the Mets and the Cubs this weekend, and it's Carlos Carrasco and Kyle Hendricks. Tom, I've noticed that Carlos Carrasco has been ineffective for your Mets. Yes, that is correct. When, <laughs> when your ERA resembles the area code of Tampa, right. that's not a good sign. Struggling a little bit. Giants, Brewers, Scott Alexander, TBD, and finally the A's and the Mariners tonight. J.P. Sears and Logan Gilbert, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Yeah, I saw I saw your boy had an ERA over eight, and I was like, not exactly getting it done out there in, in New York. So Mets pitching this year leads the National League in home runs allowed and their third worst in walks issued. And they are also bottom five in innings pitch from their starters. It's a miracle that the Mets are 500. That tells you that they've got some talent to overcome this nonsense. But at some point, dude's arms just start falling off in the bullpen because you've taxed them. It's not even Memorial Day yet. Anyway. It is nuts. Yeah, when you when you lay out the scenario and say, um, you know, they – they don't strike a lot of people out. They walk a lot of people. They tend to give up home runs. Well, we're going to have a long day at the office most afternoons, everybody, when we're walking you and giving up bombs. Bottom five in starters ERA, bottom five in innings pitched by starters. I mean, 
Good God. If they could get six innings once in a while, miracles would happen. It's funny when I, uh, when I watch the pirates, Bryce will walk into the room and be like, you're still watching. And I'm like, well, son, you got to understand. I've watched a lot, a lot of pirates baseball, and there have been much worse versions of pirates baseball than this group. So this is actually not even taxing for me to tune in to watch this bunch who can't score. It's okay. Most of the time we can't score, can't pick it up, can't pitch. We don't do anything well most of the time. We just, so at least, at least this team's got a couple of things they do okay. Most years we just can't. And that's, <laughs> that's limited. Dude, that'd be a great shirt. If I was up there at uh, PNC Park, I walk into the clubhouse there to get a, to, to get a new shirt. Most years we just can't. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what that's. <laughs> and then it says F Bob Nutting on the back of it. You know? Oh, I'd buy it. I'd buy it. Hey, man, have fun. I know you're going to enjoy your uh, day. And uh, obviously, we all have Monday off. So thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you very, very much. Don't forget to check Warchant.com. There'll be stuff, more content coming out all the time. It's almost June, kids. It's almost June. And now you begin to feel it. The wheels are turning. Football is, it'll be here. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. Have a good weekend. Again, a reminder, we're off tomorrow. Everybody's off Monday. Back strong on Tuesday. Peace.